When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of AMA Live. I am your host with the most, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm taking your questions. So start submitting those bad boys. And I'd like to say that today's episode is brought to you by The Grit T-Shirt. If you don't already have a whole host of self-signaling items in your closet, head over right now to shop.impacttheory.com and get yours. And also, just as a notice to anybody that cares about health. We're launching a new show called Health Theory, tentatively scheduled for February 28th, which I'm very excited about. So we've already got four episodes in the can. I think they are fantastic. So hopefully you guys will join me in that. And the greatest irony of my life is that when I was at Quest Nutrition, everybody wanted to know why the protein bar guy was talking about mindset. And now everybody wants to know why the mindset guy is talking about health. Oh, the irony. It's too funny. But to me, they're just connected in ways they will never be able to be taken apart. Your mind and its ability to function at an optimal level is tied so inextricably to your body, your physicality, what shape you're in, your ability to generate energy at a cellular level, all of that. So that's what that show is going to be exploring is really the intersection of mind and body. So I hope that you guys will join me. Again, this is called Health Theory, and it's dropping February 28th. So keep your eyes peeled. All right, first question is from Carrie Aglaze. All glaze, probably all glaze. One topic I would love for you to cover is how to get through the feeling lost stage. I feel like I have my mind right. I'm endlessly and easily inspired. I'm tuned in, to, I'm tuned in, tapped in, and turned on and have this feeling that I'm on the brink of something huge, but I'm not sure what it is or where to funnel this energy and power. Okay, so here is the amazing news. It's great that you have a lot of energy, that you're clearly optimistic, you're excitable, that's all wonderful. Now here's the really bad news. It's all a fake feeling. And until you're actually clear on what it is that you're trying to accomplish, and until you're actually taking steps to do that, it's just a feeling. And I think that a lot of people get lost in that. So you've got two camps. You've got the people that nothing ever seems to really spark for them. They're not excitable. They're not excited about anything. And that's a death trap. And then you've got people over here where they're excited by everything. They bounce in a thousand different directions. Everything looks exciting. They start something, stop it, start the next, stop that, start the next, stop that, start the next on and on and on, and that's a death trap. So the reality is that the whole point of all of this is to find, my daughter has joined, to find that door amongst the other 999 doors that you're going to leave open and you're gonna shut all the other ones. The ability to shut, in fact, decide, I think it's Latin, but basically means to cut. So 
it's more about the things you're going to not do than it is about the thing that you're going to do. Now, going back to the word lost, a lot of this comes to how you define it. The, the time in my life where I felt lost was where I knew what I wanted to do, but I had no idea how to do it. So even once you shut all those doors to cut those things out, then there, that may not in and of itself solve the feeling lost problem. Then it becomes, okay, I know what I want to do, but what's that actual path to execution? That's a whole another question um, that I will save for another day. But just know, step number one is you're in a room with a thousand doors and shut 999 of them without worry about the repercussions. Go through a door and through engaging with it, acting, trying to figure it out, you'll realize whether that's the right door or not. Don't let yourself be paralyzed. So literally, shut doors at random. Put the, the five things that you really care about and you're wondering which one you should go with in a hat and pick one. Do anything you need to do in order to move forward. All right, next question is from Olympia LaPointe. I think so. Are Olympia LaPointe? Yeah, it is. Olympia LaPointe <laughs> is in the feed right now? Yeah, in the feed right Amazing. First of all, Olympia was one of our guests amazing, literally a rocket scientist. So go check it out. Phenomenal story. Great episode of Impact Theory. Uh, and Olympia, welcome to the feed. Amazing to have you. Um, what can you share about mental health? I love what you're doing. Would love to be on more shows to help people see the importance of mental health and thoughts. Impact Theory is great. Thank you very much. What tips do you share about true, genuine mental health and building it? So let's separate between... Um, mental health issues, meaning you're starting at a negative starting point and you're trying just to get back to zero, and then mental health mental health, as in I'm starting at zero and I really want to work out and improve and get better. So if you're starting at a negative one, getting over the stigma of that I think is absolutely critical. So first and foremost, people need to understand that just like the body breaks down, has issues, can fatigue, can get in, in literal um, disarray, you need to address that problem, which even in the mind, I assure you, is coming from a physical manifestation. Now, the weird thing about the mind is that physical manifestation may be a cause of your thoughts, and it's Go read Norman Doidge, uh, who's on my book list. He wrote a book called The Brain That Heals Itself, and he talks about how thoughts become physically manifest. So it's pretty interesting how what you're experiencing is this physical manifestation, but it may have started from thought, and that's where it gets really weird and complicated. But it could also be things like dysbiosis of the gut, which has a massive impact on um, neurotransmitters and the neuropharmacology of your brain. And so the physical manifestation may not just be the things that you're thinking about, though if we really want to make this painful and complicated, we will realize that our thoughts then communicate to our microbiome. Our microbiome then communicates back to our thoughts, which then solidify things in the mind. So that shit is complicated. So getting someone, getting over the stigma so that you can work with someone that can ha actually help you through this, I think is really, really important. And if I can give a shout out to my beloved wife, whose IG feed is electrifying, check that shit out, at Lisa Bilyeu. She's really going hard on talking about the most vulnerable, difficult things to talk about um, in her feed. And I think it hopefully is a boon for a lot of people that understand whatever it is that you're suffering from. Just being able to talk about it is first and foremost. So I would say that's the most empowering thing about mental health is just being able to say, I have anxiety, I have depression, schizophrenia, like whatever the case may be. 
not being afraid to talk about it and understanding that many, many, many of these things can be um, made fantastically better through things as simple as cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which I talked about with Seth Godin, which I cannot wait for you guys to see that episode of Impact Theory. Seth is just absolutely amazing. Um, and, and he talks about the power of cognitive behavioral therapy, which I highly encourage you guys to, to read more about. Or you may need to medicate, and that may be the starting point, and read Daniel Amen's work, uh, Making a Good Brain Great, I think is a great place to start for that. Um, and he said that taking like um, medication for anxiety is actually really bad for the brain, but the only thing that's worse, and worse by a lot, is anxiety itself. So getting over some of the fears we have talking about it and that you may need the medication to get a jump start doesn't mean that you're going to live there or stay there forever. Uh, maybe just something to address an acute problem. Okay, so that's like getting back to zero, talking about it, seeking help. Now, if you want to really get into mental fitness, which is maybe um, an even better word than just mental health, then it becomes all the things that we talk about here, reading first and foremost, um, setting a goal, working towards it, making sure that you're actually making progress, understanding that the human is wired to adapt, grow, and learn, but you have to put yourself in a stressor adaption response cycle. So you put yourself under stress, whether that's trying to learn something new, whether it's dance or, in this case, Olympia Lapointe, with rocket science, that all of that is learnable. And so putting yourself on a path to learn, grow, and get better at that stuff. And then also there's the um, what we'll call epigenetic response cycles, which is that you have genes that are switched on and off, and those genes respond to things like working out. Now, oddly enough, working out has a tremendous impact on your mental fitness as well. So I highly encourage people to do that. And then probably most importantly, your diet. Okay, so that was a very long answer. Thank you, Olympia, for submitting that. I think mental health is mental health and mental fitness are both really, really important. And by the way, there are plenty of other resources that go a lot deeper than I just went. Um, I should probably put a list together. That would be a great place to start for recommendations. Cindy, maybe you could take a note on that for me. That would be amazing. All right, AJ Barnes, this is from Facebook. Tom, how can you get the strength to cut people out of your life? They aren't bad, just feel like they are holding you back. So you're asking how you get the strength to do that. So this is a this is an interesting phenomenon and I absolutely despise when people say you just have to do it, but I want you to know that the punchline of what I'm about to say ends with and you just have to do it. <laughs> so now I'm going to back up. So if we know that our end goal is ultimately we're just going to do it. We're going to cut those people out. We're going to bring new people into our lives. Understand that the way to Build something new is not to focus on tearing down the old, it's to focus on the thing that you're trying to build. So rather than focus on cutting people out of your life, I would focus on bringing new people into your life. I think that that's far more impactful than cutting people out. I think that if you focus on the cutting of people out, then you're going to focus on like social drama, it's going to be fucking weird. So rather than all of that, who are the people that you want in your life? At least what do they look like? What's their mentality? And when I say look like, I mean mentally. Do they have a growth mindset? Are they ambitious? Um, what is it that they're pursuing? What do you want to be around? What are the thought patterns? Or maybe even very specific, like what's the universe of things that you want to be in? Whether that's your own ambition and finding other people that are just as ambitious and in that same cycle 
um, that could be really, really important. So I'll give you guys an example. Hopefully most of you know by now that we are trying to build a real studio. So we want to compete with Disney on a similar timeline. Look, it's going to take a very long time, but we're starting with comic books. So I'm now putting that out as much as I can, getting people to understand. We just, we made our first hire. Oh shit. They might be here right now. I'm literally over the moon excited. We found um, the, the person that's going to be our first, they are our first hire moving into the comic book world. Yet, how'd you not know? Did you not meet him? What? How's that possible? He was here. Oh, I'm a terrible person. So let's all wallow in the fact that I'm a bad person for a minute. Uh, I'm so excited about this. So he's here today. I don't know if he's here yet uh, because he had to do something at DC Comics. Uh, so, but then he's coming here, which is I'm super, super excited about starting part time. And then if we love working together, it'll go full time. But anyway, I started telling everybody who would listen, hey, we're getting into the comic space and I want to be around people that are as ambitious as me in the comic space because not only do I want people who think like I think, I want people that are developing a similar skill set, that have similar wants and excitements as I have. So put all of your time and attention. Literally, that was an unintentional. Um, showing of what it looks like when I didn't worry about cutting people out of my life. I just wanted more people in my life that think like I think and are excited about the same things that I'm excited about. And so you can see literally in answering that question for like three minutes, I totally derailed on my excitement for that person. So do that. I think that's way more important than focusing on cutting people out. All right. Next up. This is from Karina Isabel Jimenez. My dad is going on day 31 of being sober today. That is amazing. What recommendations can you give us to overcome the urges to return to drug and alcohol use? Okay, so first of all, let me say I've never struggled with this, so I'm the wrong person to address it. But here's my logic. Follow my logic, and if it's sound, then fantastic. All right, so first and foremost, there is a reason that 12-step programs exist. I would understand them before I would reject them. Now, one of the things that I find really fascinating, there's two bookends, is one, to acknowledge a higher power. Now, I don't believe in God, so it is not me saying that. But like, what is that thing that I think of like that? To me, it is the human ability to adapt. That is so beyond fascinating to me. And I do look at that in some ways in a worshipful way where it's like, wow, we've got all this amazing potential and to waste that or squander that would be horrifying. Now, the way that they lean on that is more that like you sort of give yourself over rather than trying to think of yourself as, um, you know, strong and being able to carry this weight all by yourself. You're going to lean on something else. Now, that thing that I would lean on is, whoa, I can grow and change and get better I don't have to worry about who I am right now. I don't have to worry if I feel weak right now that this is going to be a process. And understanding that it's a process and that those thoughts are going to be unrelenting, especially in the beginning. That doesn't make you weak or a bad person. So that, that higher power, it, certainly in the way that I mean it, and it seems to have served people for a very long time in the traditional way of thinking of that. So just understanding that it's okay to be weak. I think that's the, the important part and that you're going to have those thoughts and all of that. Then the bookend is that if you don't find somebody else to help 
then it never sticks. And I found that to be one of the most interesting things about recovery. Again, I've never gone through this. I'm not the right person. Just follow my logic. That one of the most interesting things about recovery is that you need to be helping somebody else for it to really stick. That you know other people are looking to you. That you get to tell them what you've learned. That you get to confess that you've been through all the same weaknesses and all that stuff. Now, I'm sure that they have a period of time where you're supposed to work on yourself before you start worrying about somebody else. But feeling connected to a community from the jump, I think is really important. So understand that it's okay to be weak, that you're gonna have these thoughts, and that on this other hand, that you really wanna connect to a community. Okay, that's like the traditional narrative about that, and I think that it's traditional for some very powerful reasons. Now I'm gonna give you something beyond that. So first of all, understanding that the negative voice, um, the one that's telling you to, that you have a drink and all of that, don't worry about silencing that voice. I don't think that that is going to serve you. Instead, you're gonna use it as a habit loop trigger. So you need to come up with an empowering habit that you want to get into. I don't know what that's going to be for you, but find something that makes you feel powerful, that reminds you why you want to be sober, um, that makes you feel connected to that sense of power and promise in yourself. And when you have that desire to drink or do drugs, whatever your trigger is, or maybe even like if you have a, a physical trigger, I know a lot of people that um, did intravenous drugs, if they even see the paraphernalia, if they see a spoon, uh, they see a lighter, they see a syringe, all of those things like trigger that craving mechanism. So whatever your trigger is, you're gonna use that to trigger this new loop. So when you feel weak, when the voice says do drugs, when you have that craving, all of those things are gonna be something that you flip around and go, oh yeah, this is just meant to remind me to X, Y, Z, to uh, meditate, to go play video games, to call your sponsor, like whatever it is, like that thing becomes the thing that forces you to take that action, that puts you in that habit loop. The second thing, this is incredibly powerful, and that is identity. Identity drives behavior. So you've gotta start telling people, I'm the kind of person that fights over the, um, the desires. I'm the type of person that does things like habit loop triggers. I'm the type of person that, once I say I'm getting sober, that's it, I'm getting sober. I'm the type of person that uses bright lines, and that brings us to the third thing. Bright lines are incredibly powerful, and they are things that you just refuse to do. So if you know that your problem is drugs and alcohol, then you're going to draw that line in the sand. You're gonna say, no matter what, there's no circumstance in which I'm gonna cross this line. And this is where people really fuck themselves up because they, like, they get to a point where it's like, the craving's too much, or you know, I just got fired from my job, my wife left me, my dog got hit by a car, like, eh, it's just so much I'm gonna do drugs or I'm gonna drink again. But if you're able to employ those bright lines and say, there is no scenario in which I drink or do drugs, then that gives you that first line of defense of just, I don't do that. So then if you've got the identity, you've got that further desire to be congruent. Then if you've got the habit loop triggers where it's like, ah, I have this bright line, but holy Lord, I really want to do this that you then call your sponsor, you do all the things that you know that you're supposed to do. I, that doesn't make it easy, but hopefully makes it possible. So there you go. Not being somebody that struggled with addiction, that's the best I can do for you. All right, next up, Sheldon Gay, Facebook. Oh, can I go back one more thing? Find something new to be excited about. So yeah, get into something. Let addiction specialists may hate this. 
But find something new and empowering to get addicted to. That would be my advice. So replace, again, don't tear down the old, build the new. Find something new that taps into your addictive personality. So we do that with my wife, by the way. My wife has a very addictive personality. And if she went anywhere near drugs, she, of her own admission, is like, I don't try drugs specifically because I'm afraid that I will get addicted to them. So for her, finding things that are empowering, like um, building the company, like drawing, things like that that really turn her on, they're exciting, and they're um, value-add, then she allows that like addictive part of her personality where she just gets obsessive about it and wants to do it more, 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 but loves it and has a good time, she's able to fill that part of her brain with something empowering. So I would also encourage that. All right, now for real. Karina, Isabel Jimenez, nope, that's one we already did. Sheldon Gay, Facebook, how do you win when you're not first to market? How do you mentally manage watching your competitors being so far ahead when you're just starting? I love this fucking question. All right, Sheldon, lean in, take notes, and believe me when I say, this is the gospel. Now I keep a list. I have a list of people that have given me the greatest gift you can give, give any human being, and that is doubt. When I said that I wanted to start a uh, video podcast, people said, that's crazy. It's played out. There are already people doing it. There's already people doing the interview shows. Like, you just, you're not going to be able to get the kind of followers that you want. And the one thing I will tell you, always and forever, if you make a better product than anyone else, you always have a shot. Now, as Betamax will assure you, just being better isn't enough, but it starts with being better. So if you can outperform people, there is always a chance. And so with impact theory, my whole thing was, how do I become not a good interviewer? How do I become the greatest interviewer of all time? to put in that level of work, to remember what my father-in-law taught me, which is if you want to succeed, you've got to know more about something than anyone else in the room. That is massive. And so if you look at the way that I approach all of this, it is from, I'm just going to outwork people. I'm going to know more. I'm going to put more hours into it. I'm going to expend more energy. I'm going to go harder and farther than anyone thinks is rational or reasonable. And then I'm going to push it even farther. I'm going to focus maniacally on momentum. I'm going to push myself not only to be the best, but to be the best faster than anyone else. And I'm going to make sure that the thing that I'm building towards is something I love beyond all reason and measure. Because if as you're doing that, and you're hustling, and you're grinding, if it's taking more energy from you than it's giving, you will not last. You will break, you will bend, and other people who love what they do will surpass you. Like, I'll give you an example. For me, when I find the, find the interview and I finally get where I'm gonna go with the person that I'm interviewing, it's the moment that fascination takes over my anxiety. And so I'm always looking for that. What is that thing about this person that I find really fascinating? That bit about them that's interesting, not the bit about them that is what they're famous for, the bit about them that is fascinating, that I want to know more about, that captures my imagination and makes everything else fall to the background, that energizes me and gets me excited and makes me want to dig deep. If you focus on those things, if you focus on becoming the best, not just in one way, but in every way possible, so we have to get great not only at 
interviewing, not only at creating social content, but we've got to get good at the algorithms. We've got to understand how to build community, all of that. But if you're willing to get great at all of those areas, to not be egotistical, to come every day with a beginner's mindset, to always be willing to sit at somebody's feet and learn, and to do this weird fucking dance between, oh my God, I'm getting good, and the confidence that that brings, and oh my God, what if I'm wrong about everything? What if I'm not as good as I think? When you can dance between the, I have the chills right now, because once you're able to do that, you become unstoppable, because you don't trip yourself up. You don't solidify into dogma. And I, I use those words so much that I worry that people don't understand what I'm saying. Once you think you know something, you're not open to learning more. You're not open to being wrong and finding an even more powerful way of looking at something. Because you can be wrong and go really far. But ultimately being wrong slows you down or it stops your progress altogether. And that's why you've got to always be open. You've got not only open, you've got to hunger for it. You've got to long to find out how you're wrong. Once you're legitimately hungry to see in what ways you're wrong, you will become an unstoppable force. But man, like stop listening to the words I'm saying for a second and just hear my intensity. You've got to bring that. You've got to have that level of intensity. You've got to take your wants and turn them into fucking crushing needs. And it is, it is a process. You do that. It is not something that is handed to you. It is not the nature of things. The nature of things is to be a want. The nature of things is to be an interest. You've got to turn those things into obsessions. You've got to find a way. You've got to create a way. You've got to demand of yourself that you are creating these fires in your life, must-haves, passions, where there was nothing more than an interest, obsessions, where there was nothing more than a fascination. Like you've got to be able to, to blow on these embers and turn them into raging fires. And until you learn how to do that, which is a neurological process of reinforcement, I want you guys all, I wanna get flooded with tweets, IG posts, um, YouTube comments on the following thing, because I had an idea this morning and I wanna know what you guys think. I was in the shower, which is a very meditative thing for me. And I'm working on a book. And I know the book is going to speak to the people that show up to this podcast. But it's not going to speak to people that aren't here yet. And I thought, can we create something that feels like an airline emergency pamphlet that shows you how to open the emergency door? that tells you what to do if your plane is going down in flames, but breaks down what you're actually doing to create those fires in your mind. So for instance, it's really fucking simple. In fact, it's so simple. What I'm about to tell you, you're not gonna believe. And so my hope is that in doing something that's illustrated and like just fucking dead simple, and it becomes literally an instruction manual for how to create a growth mindset. And it goes like this. What you repeat in your thoughts will begin to shape the hardwiring of your brain. The words that you repeat out loud will shape 
what you believe you have to act in congruence with. Those two things exist in this terrifyingly powerful feedback loop. So what you allow yourself to think about is the single most important decision you will make every day of your life. Now, the way that the mind is wired, it will, it will think something at all times, okay? That's why meditation is so powerful. It's training yourself to be able to quiet that. But as a default setting, there will always be words flowing through your mind. And the irony of ironies is that most of those words are negative. So you're going to have this constant running default stream of negativity, which is how we spiral into the problems that we see in life. So if you know that, and you know that the things that you obsessively think about get hardwired into your brain, you have to figure out a way to say things positive. Write a fucking list of 10, 20, however many positive things that you're going to say to yourself. Now, by positive, I don't mean I'm a, a strong, powerful person. I mean humans are wired to adapt and grow. Okay, that's empowering. It doesn't matter who I am today. It only matters who I'm willing to become and the price I'm willing to pay to get there. Okay. It's things that reinforce potential rather than reinforcing you are something. You are something statements are far more fragile than potential is real. Potential exists. And now it's about, am I doing the things to create that potential? So now, once you've laid that foundation and you obsessively think about the positive things, the potential, your abilities, what you can become, then you're going to start saying things out loud that you will hold yourself congruent to. And you're going to tell other people. You're going to tell them what you're about. You're going to tell them what you're building. You're going to tell them about the, the kind of person you're trying to become. If you get those two things right and you just say over and over and over things that empower you, that are real, 90% of your problems go away. Just from those two things, that's it. And so that's what I want to create this book about. This pamphlet, whatever it's going to be. I'm very curious to see if people think that we can reach people. And another thing that haunts me is bullying. And I really, I've walked people through this before, but I did a whole tirade on here about the guy I wrote in and his brother was being bullied and I was so moved by it and I gave advice that I thought was amazing. And then I got on a Skype call with the kid that was actually being bullied and staring in the face of an 11-year-old, I realized that I had nothing effective to offer him. And I don't remember why I started down this path, <laughs> but I feel very strongly about those things that if you can get to doing the very simple basic things right, then you can really empower yourself to do something. And I'm going to read the question again to see if that actually answered it or if I've got more to go. Yeah, so the question was about how do you win when you're not first in the market? So knowing more than somebody else is critical. Getting better than everybody else is critical. And to do that, You've got to take control of those two basic processes, how you think about potential and what you hold yourself accountable to. There it is, man. Sheldon, that is, if you literally go back and play those last seven-ish minutes, they give you everything you need. 
In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride. Because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have to execute against it. All right. Kylie Lewis, this is from YouTube. What is the best advice you can give to a 27-year-old on how to establish an honest and authentic relationship with our parents in order to actually feel like an adult and not just an adult child? All right, here's the reality. At 27, um, God, what's the... I was going to give you a really flippant answer, which is partly true, but I... Here, here's... Let's back up. People treat you exactly the way you let them treat you. So my gut instinct is you've let your parents back you into a corner where you feel like you have to be a certain way because they have a certain vision of who you are um, and you're not necessarily that person, which is why you say you want an authentic relationship with them. So you love them, you care about them, but they don't actually see you as you are and you probably feel a little bit trapped by how they view the world, by how they think you should be, by what they think your job should be and all of that. And so here's the flippant truth. So we'll call this the finish line. I don't give a shit what my parents want me to do. And I've lived in accordance with that for a very long time. And in the beginning, it was very stressful for my parents. And they assumed that I was going to fail. And they were watching me because in the beginning of my life, it really did look like I was going to crash and burn pretty spectacularly. So I'm sure it was brutally difficult for them. And I'm not entirely sure why. At a, I guess because I'm stubborn, maybe a little bit obstinate. 
I wasn't prepared to be what other people wanted me to be. And so I just kept marching forward to my own drum. Now, that's the finish line. Getting to the point where you don't care. uh, What's it? Mark Manson and the subtle art of not giving a fuck. So you need to get to the point where you, if you care, which I think is actually fine to care what other people think, but don't let that influence what you do because you should care a hell of a lot more about how you feel and what you believe and whether or not you're becoming the kind of person that you're going to be proud of. I think that's far more important than what anybody else thinks about you. So you're going to cultivate this subtle art of not giving a fuck. And it's going to start with being honest with yourself about what makes you feel most fulfilled. What do you love? What are the things that you like? And understanding this is your life. You've only got one life to live. You never get it back. And so doing things that other people think will make you happy, but that don't actually make you happy doesn't make any fucking sense. So people want you to be happy, right? True or false. And if they want you to be happy, they're just doing their best guess at what's gonna make you happy. Only you know if it's actually making you happy and not in a momentary sense, in a deep and fulfilling kind of way, something that is far more sustainable. So every bit of advice that someone who loves you is giving you is simply their best attempt to surmise what is going to make you happy, but if it doesn't, then you have to diverge. If they don't actually want you to be happy, then fuck them. Like why for even two seconds Would you care about what somebody thinks who doesn't actually want you to win? They don't actually want you to be happy. That would be literal madness to try and appease people that don't want you to be happy. So people either fall into two buckets. They want you to be happy and all they can do is guess. And so bless them. But if they don't actually know it's going to make you happy, why would you listen? And then two, people who don't give a shit about you and they don't care whether or not you're happy or they actively want you to be unhappy. So you can see Just by walking through the logic of it, it doesn't make sense to try to appease people that don't want to make you happy or people that do want to try to make you happy. So you got to be yourself. Now, how do you maintain a good relationship? So this is what I do. Mom, dad, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you want for me is to be happy, to be successful, to be fulfilled, however I define that. And I fully respect that. And I actually wish that I could learn every lesson the easy way and let other people have gone through and made those mistakes and for me to really be able to internalize it without having to go through it. And I really do try to optimize for that, but there are just some things that I have a feeling, a belief, it just feels so right and I need to explore it. And if that means that I stumble and fall, that's okay. And I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to find in suffering, if I'm willing to reflect on it, that I can make progress. That's right from our boy, Ray Dalio. Pain, Plus reflection equals progress. That's the human condition. Now, if you need to, just rewind that, play it over and over a thousand times until you've memorized those exact words because those were the exact words that I said to my family over and over and over. So while they were watching me fail, I said, hey, look, I totally get it. I get why you don't like seeing me go through hard times. Fully understand that. But this is what I'm trying to accomplish. I want to get to a deep and lasting sense of fulfillment. And here are the things that I think will lead me there. And if they don't, then I will adjust course. And trust me, I'm never going to do something where it's like, if I realize you're right, I will immediately admit, hey, you were right. And hopefully your parents will understand that it doesn't make sense to go, see, I told you so, which will not draw you closer together. But if they do, meet them with compassion and understand that that's just where a lot of people start. Don't get pissed off with them, okay? So you're going to live your life pain Plus reflection equals progress. You're going to understand that that's a part of it. You're not going to let them walk you into any traps. You're going to tell them who you really are. And and this is the fucking important part. You're not going to try to convince them to think otherwise. So if they think you're a fool, 
Respect, no problem. Mom, dad, I fully understand that. In fact, my father-in-law, who's always been very kind to me, but was not shy about telling me when he thought I was being foolish. And rather than try to convince him that I was right, I just said, I'm gonna let my actions prove out either I'm right or he's right. I'm not even gonna worry to try to convince myself. It's what I think is right, I'm gonna move forward, but if I end up being wrong and he ends up being right, hey, at least then I know. But I'm gonna push forward with the things that I believe to be right. And when you stop fighting people and you're always trying to convince them that you're right, I don't care if people think I'm right. I either am right or I'm gonna learn something. So I don't need to convince them, I don't need to be convinced, so I would say things like when my father-in-law would tell me, ooh, that doesn't make any sense, why are you doing it that way? I would say the actual words out of my mouth, I totally hear what you're saying, I get that. And it actually may work out that way, I fully see the intelligence of your argument, and we'll see. I haven't internalized that yet, so it doesn't feel right for me in all the nuance of it could be this, but it could also be this, but I, I want you to understand that I see your logic and I totally get it. And then there's what is there for them to push back on. So that was how I did it. I was honest with people, but I wasn't combative. And that was huge for me. And I just knew that A, I could be wrong. So I'm not going to argue from a place of arrogance. And B, if I am wrong, I will be willing to admit it. And so then over time, you your life starts moving towards inextricably towards success um, because you're always willing to admit when you're wrong. You're always looking to learn, grow, and adapt, and you're reading your ass off and learning. And but when I say read, I just mean learn. You're learning every day and getting better. All right, there it is. I'm gonna go faster. I've been doing long answers today. Evan Greenspan, hey Tom, for a lot of my life, I have felt like an inadequate person and somewhat not worthy of love and respect. How can I feel more worthy and respectable? Okay, so first and foremost, remember, it doesn't matter who you are today, only matters who you want to become. So set your sights on somebody that's worthy of that respect in your mind. Don't worry about other people. So if I were to be like this and act like this and think like this, then I would be, I would be proud of that because... First, I'll just say every human being is worthy. Every human being is respectable. Um, the truth of the matter is that building your sense of pride and self-esteem around that's just too fucking dangerous. So I wouldn't do that. Um, I don't spend any time thinking about whether or not I'm worthy. I'll, I just make a blanket judgment. All humans are worthy because we're capable of change at any time. Um, and so now I just focus on who do I want to change into? Who am I trying to become? Focus on that and act in accordance. Find a model, somebody that actually is like that. Look at how their behavior is shaped. Look at how they think. If they've written something or created content that you can go consume, go consume it uh, and try to internalize that state of mind and then just keep working towards that. But um, never worry about who you are today, no matter where you get in life. Just focus on you have at any moment the ability to grow and get better. And in that, then just brick by brick, try to actually get better and uh, be proud of yourself for being willing to stare at your inadequacies, right? So you're going to value yourself for being a learner. You're going to value yourself for being willing to admit that you're wrong. So hopefully that takes a lot of pressure off you because it doesn't matter if you're wrong, bad, unworthy, all that. You, hey, you're valuable because you're willing to look at that. You're valuable because you're willing to take steady progress to get better. And that's it. And that's how I would do it. All right, next, April Gledhill, Facebook. What is the best way to build my own belief system? I realize I'm struggling with building my core. I have the basics, but I, I know I need to dig deeper. Okay, so uh, I'm just gonna say, first of all, there's a lot, <clears throat> a lot of amazing people that <coughs> choking to death 
a lot of amazing people that have come before you that have been willing to write this down or create um, content. I would go watch it, pick the pieces that work for you and act in accordance. If, however, you don't want to do that and you want to create something yourself, this is all going to be about what are the results you're trying to get and are you getting those results or not? And so shift and tweak your belief system in order to move you closer to your goals. That was certainly what I did. Um, Sadly, I came along just early enough and all of this that the internet didn't really exist. So I had to fumble my way through all this. Um, So yeah, I would say this is my goal. Am I moving towards it? Yes or no. What do I need to think, do, and believe in order to actually move towards that goal? And I just shaped my belief system along the way, realizing that I was doing really dumb shit that wasn't moving me towards my goals. And it was based on a belief about myself or about the world um, and just changing those beliefs as I went to make sure that, hey, if I believe this, will it move me forward? Like, uh, do you live in a friendly or a hostile universe? Well, if I believe I work in a friendly or work, that I live in a friendly universe where things can actually come together for me, then I'm going to be more optimistic. Does optimism serve me? Yes, it does. Why? Because it, it, for, it doesn't force. It allows me to take action because I don't think that I'm going to be blocked at every turn. So when you think that the outcome might be positive, you're more likely to take action. Being more likely to take action then does let you take action. And then you're going to reach your goals. And so you can literally just work your way through it and go, yep, that belief will work for me. Um, and you can look at a thousand different beliefs. Like, are human beings capable of doing anything they set their mind to? Well, am I better off believing that or not? Well, if I believe it, what crazy things? I might jump off the roof of a building. Do you really think that you run the risk of doing that? Probably not, unless you're truly mentally ill, in which case, going back to one of our earliest questions, go seek help. So assuming that you've got enough common sense not to do stupid shit like that, having the belief that you can do anything you set your mind to, again, is going to take you down a path of if it's exciting for you and fun, then it's worth putting the energy into. And I literally just went through belief by belief, asking myself questions to get to. And look, I fumbled through a lot of this and a lot of it was just emotional pain. So don't make it think like, or don't, I don't want it to sound like I sat down on one Saturday and just said, Hey, what are all the beliefs that I have? And what could be more empowering? It was like, I would do dumb shit. I'd feel really stupid, really badly about myself. I'd be unable to sleep because I'm like, I'm such a dumbass. And then I'd go, does thinking of myself as a dumbass, does that empower me and move me forward? No. Okay. So we need to unwind this. And it goes like that. All right. Next up, Justin Best from YouTube. Hey, Tom, what are some similarities and differences you notice between Amelia Boone and David Goggins? They're both super mentally tough, but feel like they approach it in different ways. Okay, so here are high-level differences. From my perspective, they may both totally disagree. David Goggins' narrative is, I was the weakest man God ever created, and I want to become the strongest man alive. Toughest. Because he believed that he was weak, which I don't think Amelia would say about herself, I don't think she came from that dark place, because he came from that dark place and was just so fed up, he's coming from a position of rock bottom. So it wasn't even necessarily about potential, it was about, I am totally unwilling to feel this way anymore. And so I'm going to make a change really coming from a place of self-hatred. This is where this gets really controversial, but I think there is a ton of power a ton of power in self-hatred. I can feel the comments coming in already. It's a balance. You never want to spend more than 20% of your time there kicking yourself in the ass, being disappointed with yourself because it will be corrosive. But David Goggins is a very powerful example of the dark side of leveraging that self-loathing to kick you in the ass, to get you to take action, become something 
powerful, but he really has become something powerful. And in that is beauty and wonderment and the joy of being a human being, which brings us to Amelia Boone, who starts from that position of what is possible of all the amazing things that she can do if she's willing to put in that work. And one of the things that I found utterly fascinating about her is when she's really struggling in a race, she'll start talking to the person next to her and find camaraderie and the joy in commiserating together and thinking about, you know, other things other than the running and the pain and all of that. And is really a pretty beautiful uh, and community-driven way of creating a technique to get over the pain, which, going back to the marshmallow experiment, if you guys know that, uh, done in the 70s, I think, by a Stanford researcher who found that the number one thing that correlates to future success is your ability to delay gratification. And kids that were able to delay gratification often use techniques like singing to themselves or playing games. And that's something that Amelia uses. So Amelia sort of represents what you can do on the bright side. David represents what you can do with the dark side. And I think both are incredibly powerful. And I think they should always, always, always be in a ratio of 80-20. Never more than 20%. And by all means, do less than 20% on the dark side. Um, and yeah, never less than 80% in the, the bright, the goodness, the gratitude, the joy, the fulfillment, all of that. But they're both powerful. Okay, Dylan O'Leary. If you knew everything you know now, I would assume, now no, yep, at the age of 15, what would you do to get ahead and achieve your goals? All right, so the problem was that I didn't really get a growth mindset fully until I was like 26, so 11 years uh, after your magical point. So I would have just been reading, reading, reading at all times, learning, trying to grow and get better, understanding that having ego about where I was already, uh, being smart, being good, being worthy, all of that stuff was holding me back and slowing me down because I was more likely to put myself around people who weren't pushing me, weren't challenging me, weren't making me feel stupid. Um, and by being around people like that and ideas like that that really pushed me to grow and develop, I actually was growing and developing. So um, yeah, I would have worked a lot harder, a lot faster, a lot sooner at really being becoming extraordinary at things that I cared about, which I didn't. And for a long time, I was just trying to put myself into smaller and smaller environments with less bright people so that I could just feel smart. So that's, that's what I would have done. Get really good. All right. Ranala Photo and Films. You said you have to learn to know more than anyone, but I know you, have, you also have to take action. How do you balance the two? When do you know you know enough to take the right action? You don't, and you just have to be very comfortable that you're gonna fuck up and you're gonna learn, and that that's absolutely fine, but your goal needs to be to get good. So I'll give you an example. I know fuck all about publishing comic books, but I'm gonna have to get phenomenal at it. Now, I can't just sit around and wait, but knowing that I need to get good at that means that my first steps are, how do I get good at this really, really fast? And let me just tell you, number one, model yourself, find experts, learn from them. Cool. So I'm going to guess by now, sitting upstairs right now is one of the greatest minds in comic books. And I am very happy to report that he's coming on board um, with us now to help us create a publishing empire, the likes of which have never been seen before. Now, I'm going to find other people. And our first goal as a collaboration is, wow, that was a really weird way of saying that. Our first goal as a collaboration is going to be to find other people that know even more than the two of us and to just collect an army of people like that that can help us get past all the simple rookie mistakes, the paths that have landmines that we just know is going to be stupid. But it is taking action immediately. We're also going to be working on our first comic, which I'm so excited about. 
is already like way into the process. And um, even though I've been saying that we're going to publish for a very long time, now I actually feel very confident by San Diego Comic-Con, we will be distributing. That's a lie. By San Diego Comic-Con, we will have printed and complete our first issue. But for marketing reasons, it's going to wait till the New York Comic-Con in um, October. But we will have our first issue done and in our hands, finished, complete. It's going to be amazing. So I'm very excited. See us at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, so I know that I have to get great at that, and I know that I have to take action, and I'm doing both in parallel. So this doesn't spin out into a very long thing. You take action knowing that the whole reason to take action is to move forward and learn. All right, Jose Gabriel Gonzalez, what strategies do you employ to discover and deal with blind spots in your current knowledge that could prevent you from succeeding? In other words, how do you deal with not knowing what you don't know? All right, I just had a really interesting moment um, yesterday where I realized one of my superpowers is that I... In my moments of deepest confidence, where I've just pulled something off and I can see everyone in the room is totally behind my vision, they believe in what I'm saying, that what I'm saying is right. In that moment, in that moment, that very moment where I am at my highest confidence, I've learned to ask, but what if I'm entirely wrong? And in what ways would I be wrong? And who might be able to help me find a way through that? And what would it look like? Can I hedge my bet? Is there something that I can do to continue moving that forward at that rate, but be building that bridge to something else? Is that an exploratory conversation? Is that creating a red team, blue team? Whatever that is, in my moments, and oddly enough, without, in fact, I become more confident because I know I'm looking for my blind spots. So in those moments of supreme confidence, can you build your confidence even more by relentlessly pursuing the ways in which you might be wrong? Read Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, the guy that's the president of Pixar. He talks about how every day they dissect the animation from the previous day. They don't try to be nice or kind. They just get to the fucking truth. Is it working or not? Is it as good as it could possibly be or not? I don't take any pride in my ideas. I take pride in my willingness to look at the flaws in my ideas. And that's how you actually get something bulletproof. But you have to be unconflicted. Do you want the end result or do you want to feel cool? If you just want to feel cool, then go be the king of remedial jobs. If, on the other hand, you actually want your goals to come true, you've got to relentlessly pursue where you're wrong. All right, Desiree Baker, YouTube. What would you suggest to empower others to change? Example, overweight family members that don't have the confidence to start, they complain about their bodies but don't act on their goals of health. I am not in the game of convincing people. So I am in the game of living by example, for Shwayze, for Shwayze. And if somebody sees me, um, like I lost, my wife just found a fat photo yesterday. It is amazing. I've got to post this thing. It's legit crazy. I look fat. So I used to be 60 pounds heavier and losing the weight was hard as hell. But anybody watching me, I wasn't evangelizing for it. I wasn't saying, hey, everybody needs to lose weight. I was saying, this is my goal. This is what I want to do. And this is how I'm going about it. And anybody that was inspired by that, awesome. I would tell them anything and everything that I was doing. And if they weren't inspired about it, I wouldn't even talk about it. I'm not trying to bring it up. Don't want to make people feel bad. Nothing. So when people want the information, they will ask. And if they ask, I will give it. Otherwise, mum's the word. 
Uh, and by the way, meet them with compassion. So it is a shitty struggle to want to lose weight, but either not know how to get started or not feel confident enough to get started. But the only thing worse and the only thing that will move them back faster is to try to um, change them, to proselytize, to tell them how to do it, how to think. It won't work. And because it won't work, I highly encourage that you not do it. All right, next, Avery Nair. When working, do you and Lisa address each other by your name or still call each other honey? This is such an interesting question. How are you guys... How are, are your guys' management styles around the team like? What are your guys' management styles around the team like? Um, and how do you both handle things when you guys have a disagreement? Okay, so these are really interesting questions. Um, I call her baby, and I feel weird doing it. So that's the truth. The, uh, sometimes I'll call her Lisa, depending on what the situation is. And if I'm ever referring to her um, or about her, I'm always Lisa. But like if, I'm, if I see her you know, just in earshot, I'll say, baby... Um, but every time I do it, I'm like, Oh God, this feels a little weird. So that's the truth. Um, and then what's our management style around the team, um, with each other. I think that's what you mean. So it's the one thing I'll say is probably a little problematic if the team were really in principles mode, motherfuckers, um, is that Lisa and I are a little too familiar. So I, will express frustration with my wife infinitely faster than I would express it with anybody else in the team. And I'm sure that gets a little uncomfortable sometimes uh, for everybody else. And in no uncertain terms, my wife has pointed that out to me a thousand times uh, on the weekends. She'll be like, yeah, you, you'll express frustration with me that you'd never show anybody else. And I'm like, yep, that, that is 100% true. And the bad news is, because I'm not even saying that it's a good thing, the bad news is the reason I do that is I hold my wife to my same standard. She's the only human being that I hold to my standard. Um, and so what the team is getting a glimpse of is how I treat myself internally. So I get frustrated with myself fast like that. But I'm not a delicate wallflower, even when it's myself. So I'm kicking myself in the ass. I'm expressing frustration internally. And it doesn't make me feel badly about myself. So that's a really important thing. If it did, I would stop doing it. But it doesn't. I find that it empowers me. It pushes me forward. Uh, it makes me want to move away from that thing that's frustrating me, get me back on track really fucking fast. Um, I also prize efficiency. And so with my wife, because I think of her like me and I hold her to my standard, I expect her to be way into efficiency. Um, so, yep, those are, that's just the truth. I'm not saying whether these are good or bad. I'm just saying they are. Uh, and then how do we handle things when you guys have a disagreement? Um, we try to use principles in all things. So there's certain rules. Like if you feel something, then you say, this is how I feel. And you look for feedback from the outside because just because you have a feeling, if you don't have the data to back it up, doesn't make it true. Um, so we try to be really respectful of that. And if we do have data to back it up, then we would say, this is the data that I have to back it up. Uh, yeah, so that's how we handle a disagreement. Um, neither of us are yellers or screamers, so we don't freak out. Uh, but there, I am definitely prone to extreme intensity, especially with my wife. Um, and so if anybody were ever to level a criticism at me, there are definitely times where I know I freak people out a little bit because I get really fucking direct. Um, and I'll say aggressive, but what I mean is intense. I'm not yelling, I'm not screaming, I don't get in people's faces. Uh, but when I really fucking believe something, um, I'm not bashful about it. So again, not saying any of these are great. The only thing that I will vouch for and just say is the fucking gospel are the principles. So in, in any place where what I just said uh, diverges from the principles, principles, principles. It's a book. You can read it. Ray Dalio. Amazing. 
Andro Kinghorn, I'm 19. I'll break a million in sales on one of my on one of my businesses this year, although it isn't a massive success. Are you high? That's incredible. I don't have any real questions. So uh, do you have advice to someone who feels they've mastered learning? Yes. And my advice is stop being a fucking fool. You've not mastered learning. And if you think you've mastered learning, you are fucked in no uncertain terms. You will destroy yourself. That is the most cancerous and corrosive way to think possible. So stop right now and make sure you're always looking for where you're wrong, how you can improve, where to get better. They say genius is a young man's game. And the reason they say that is because people start thinking they actually know something. And once you think you know something, you are dead in the fucking water. So stop thinking you know something. Open yourself up to learning more because that's the fun, man. The incredible thing is at 19 to do a million of sales is fucking awesome. You're way ahead. But be raw. Cancer still exists. We have not yet colonized Mars. There is human suffering on just pandemic proportions. There's a lot more cooler shit that you could do with your ability to learn that you haven't done yet. And so I would say, go forth and prosper knowing that you can always get better, grow, adapt, and improve. And that that's the fucking joy of being human. All right, Jalen Holmes. Facebook, hey Tom, as a 19-year-old freshman, we got the 19-year-olds in the, in the feed today. What is up, everybody? Uh, in college, who has developed depression-like symptoms due to many intrinsic and in, extrinsic sources, I'm currently in an, in an identity crisis. Where should I go from here? All right, dude, don't fuck around with depression. I wanna be really clear about that. So the punchline of depression is often suicide. So depression is one of those things where just you cannot fuck around. So if we're legitimately in depression, we need to go get help and don't be bashful about that. I'm super stoked that you're able to talk about it honestly here. That's amazing. A, you've got the, um, the self-awareness to recognize it. B, you're not afraid to talk about it. Those are huge steps in this journey, but now we need to go get help. So whether that's cognitive behavioral therapy, which I would highly recommend, traditional talk therapy, like whatever it is that works for you, try it, find something that works, go to support groups, like, be way proactive. And if you need to take medication, by all means, I think you should try to get off it as fast as you can. Um, not saying that as a doctor, because I'm clearly not one, but it just seems like a bad idea to constantly be taking medication. But I would not be bashful in any way, shape, or form about starting there. And people that I know in my life and love dearly started with it. It helped them get some positive momentum going. Then they were able to get off of it. Uh, I think that's massive. So a lot of this is going to be also changing your identity, changing. So I talked about at the top of the episode, um, there's two things that matter beyond comprehension. Number one, the thoughts that you repeat in your head. You need to make those positive. Just fucking plain and simple, period, end of story. If you have depression symptoms, immediately stop allowing yourself to say negative shit. Not in your head, not outside, nothing. You just stop, stop, fucking stop. Like bright lines, I don't say negative shit. Like every time you say a negative thing, literally just say, I don't say negative shit. That's it. I say, in fact, fuck that. Say, I say positive shit, way more effective. So I say positive shit. In fact, fuck, I've given, like go right now to impacttheory.com, I put the belief system. The belief system is 25 things you can just repeat in your head every time a negative thought pops into your head, just repeat one of those 25 things. They are all about potential, what you're able to do. It's the belief system that's going to get you out of that negative spiral. So do that. All right, we got time for one more. 
Dan Zuber. Hey, Tom, I have trouble getting myself to start conversations with strangers or those who are more intelligent than me in fear that I will embarrass myself or make myself look like a fool. Do you have any tips to overcome this mental block? Absolutely. And it goes like this. You are a learner, my friend. It is awesome. The fact that you're able to go speak to people that know more than you, that is fucking incredible. And here's the secret. You ready? I'm just talking to you right now. On a long enough timeline, if you're willing to collect all these nuggets, no matter how many people think you're stupid, if you stay at it, you will destroy them all. And so if you need to come at it from that position, which I did when I was younger, I had to believe I'm stupid now, but I'm gonna take, I have the chills. I'm gonna take this piece of information and the next and the next and the next, and they're gonna give it to me in a demeaning fashion. They think I'm a fucking idiot. And oh, I've had many people think I was an idiot and tell me to my face. And I just took one piece of information after the next, after the next, after the next. And I knew on a long enough timeline, I will win. I will beat them all. I just have to be willing to never be afraid to look stupid. In any one moment, they may think I'm a dumbass. And on live TV, during my interviews, if somebody says something I don't know, I'm going to ask because they just gave me another piece of information and another and another and another. And I collect knowledge because I am trying to become more powerful. Now, remember the way that I define power, you close your eyes, you imagine a world, a beautiful world, an incredible world that you want to see come into existence. You open your eyes and you have the ability to make that come true. That's power. So never worry about looking stupid in one moment. Just know on a long enough timeline, you can beat anyone at anything. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me and for submitting your questions. I cannot tell you how meaningful that is to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As a reminder, today's episode was brought to you by Grit. Go right now to shop.impacttheory.com and get your self-signaling merch. And then, if you didn't already know, on February 28th, we are dropping Health Theory. It's our new show, Mind and Body Connection, how you can optimize your mind and your body to really get the most potential out of your life. I cannot wait for you guys to check that out. Go check it out. All right. Thank you. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.